pass on that one. All right. I want our guest speaker to come out here. Kerry Gibson, Vice President of CMA. And uh, one more hand for the Lord and all CMA's doing. As I was sharing uh, in the first service, you know, first of all, Pastor John will be back next week, continue his series, and pray for him and Linnell. He's in Mississippi. Uh, got one Mississippi fan there. And uh, he's helping his father with harvest. It's harvest time back then. And, uh, but I'm sure when we say harvest time, we realize it's harvest time for Jesus. There's people that are looking for life. They're looking for hope. And, man, uh, I'm sure this is going to inspire us all when you hear from Carrie about that. But pray for Pastor John and Linnell. Uh, Linnell's with uh, their daughter right now, and Pastor John will be back. And so we're just excited about that. But I want to introduce you and so you can introduce the video we're going to watch and really tell about Run for the Sun, powerful, powerful outreach and ministry. Come on, one more hand for Carrie. And, uh... One of the things, am I on? Yeah. One of the things that... Um... <laughs> Sorry, I'll get serious here in a second. One of the things that we do in CMA is we believe in, you were talking about uh, supporting missionaries around the world in every country of the world. Uh, when you support Run for the Sun, you CMA, Run for the Sun, is at work in 194 countries around the world. You're going to see either us directly or the three ministries that we partner with. And they're, we're going to talk about that in just a second. Uh, CMA started when a pastor in a small church in a small place in Arkansas was losing his son, his connection with his son. So he, brought, he bought two motorcycles, uh, and they started riding together as a way to bring a father and a son, to reconcile a father and a son relationship. And... Being a pastor, they started going to some motorcycle rallies. And back then in the 1974, 75, some of them were really, really rough. And uh, being a pastor, he saw a group of people that was untouched, that didn't know and really needed to know about Jesus Christ. And so Herb took off on his own, no money in his pocket really. He quit the church, left the parsonage. And he told me himself, he's dead now, but he told me himself that when he took off on that first ride. His wife told him, standing on the front porch, his name was Heber, we called him Herb. Heber, I'm giving you one month with this foolishness, and then you got to get a job. Today, CMA, what he started that, at that time, today CMA is actively in 40 countries around the world. And uh, the, the one fundraiser that we do is Run for the Sun. So take a look at this, watch this video, please. I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be assured of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Go into all the world. How is that possible? No person, no church, no organization can do that alone. And yet Jesus was very clear in this command. Only by working together with each of us doing our part and contributing as we are able, will we complete the task. In CMA, we understand that we have to do our part. 
We're not a fundraising organization. Run for the Sun is the only official fundraising effort we are involved in, and we give away more than we keep. None of the money raised is used to fund the day-to-day -day operating expenses of CMA or any other organization. CMA keeps 40%, which we use to reach out to bikers and others throughout the United States and around the world. We go places where others don't or won't go. We reach out in service and look for opportunities to let our light shine. We strive to demonstrate the unconditional love of Christ. Every year, CMA members represent Christ to more than two million people, exposing more than 600,000 to the gospel message, with approximately 14,000 of those making the life-changing decision to accept Jesus as their personal Savior. 20% of the money raised is used to support the work of the Jesus Film Project. The Jesus Film has been translated into more than 1,600 languages and shown in 225 countries. Historically, for every dollar CMA invests in the Jesus Film, approximately 10 people see the film somewhere in the world, and at least one accepts Christ. Using these estimates, the support provided through Run for the Sun has allowed approximately 137 million people to view the film with some 14 million of those making decisions for Christ. These decisions are a direct result of CMA's Run for the Sun. 20% of the total raised is used to provide transportation. Working through organizations such as Missionary Ventures International, CMA has placed more than 6,800 bicycles, 6,500 motorcycles, boats, horses, buggies, snowmobiles, and at least one camel to pastors working in more than 107 countries. Right now, there are more than 13,400 pastors, evangelists, teachers, and Christian leaders doing their part to fulfill the Great Commission as a direct result of CMA's Run for the Sun. 20% goes to Open Doors, supporting their effort to promote the gospel in countries where being a Christian can get you locked up or killed. One of the greatest challenges to Christians living under tyranny and loss of religious freedom is isolation from God's Word and from the body of Christ. Through our involvement with Open Doors, CMA supports and strengthens suffering believers by providing Bibles and gospel development resources, by supporting the advancement of women and children, and through Christian community restoration efforts. CMA's Run for the Sun is a place where you can invest and know that you'll be participating in something that will result in someone's life being changed. On the first Saturday in May, CMA members across the United States will participate in the Run for the Sun. Through Run for the Sun, you can play a part, and together we can fulfill the Great Commission. You can touch someone somewhere in the world for Christ, but the choice is yours. Will you support Run for the Sun? Let me, just, let, me, let me just say that again. You can touch someone's life somewhere in the world when you support Run for the Sun. None of the money is used to operate any or any of the three, four organizations counting us. So when you invest in Run for the Sun, you are investing in worldwide evangelism. Um, this is unusual for me, but while I was praying down there and they were worshiping up here, there's at least one person in this building who is really struggling with their prayer life right now. 
specific, and don't raise hands, nothing, I'm just being obedient to what I believe God said. Specifically with praying out loud with somebody or for somebody. And I want to tell you that the Christian walk is a journey. It starts with accepting Jesus Christ and believing that he is your Lord and Savior. It starts there. But it only ends when you die. It's a constant walk. And so at 29 years old, I made a serious commitment to Christ. I had accepted him when I was nine, got baptized, lived the next 20 years thinking I was a Christian, thinking I was going to die and go to heaven. At 29 years old, I was in a church. I actually didn't go to church, but I followed Debbie. I'd fallen in love with this girl, and she went to that church, so I went. And uh, the pastor said something that day that touched my heart and made me understand that I don't have a real relationship with Jesus. So he said, if, if you want that, raise your hand. And my hand went up, and he, <laughs> he got off the platform and came down and prayed with me. And then on the way home, we weren't traveling together. I was by myself in my truck. And on the way home, I, had, I pulled off the side of the road and I made another commitment. And I said, God, I, I'm giving you everything. I mean it. I mean it. I'm giving you everything. Do with me as you please. And that was the beginning of a commitment. But I knew that I had to learn to pray. I could pray in here and I could pray by myself but I couldn't get my mouth to work right to pray for somebody or to pray out loud. I'd have passed out if uh, I'd have had to pray for somebody out loud. And so I was praying about that, driving down the road in my truck one day, and I heard the audible voice of God. It's the only time that I can honestly say I heard the audible voice of God. I jumped. I looked at the seat beside me to make sure it wasn't somebody sitting there. And I was asking God to help me to learn to pray. And this is what I heard God say to me. Carrie, you didn't learn to swim standing on the beach. You're not going to learn to pray until you open your mouth. And so I said to God right there, I said, okay, God. Now, it just so happened that was Wednesday. We had a Wednesday night small group, and I said, I'm going to pray in that group. Nobody ever asked me to because I was a kind of a new guy. I'm going to pray in that group. And so the guy that was leading it was a guy named Mark. And so we got in there, and I'm twitching. And he's talking, and I'm, wait I'm twitching because i got to do this. I've made a promise. So I said, Mark, stop, 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 stop. And I told him that story. I said, i got to pray. He said, well, let's pray. And so I prayed. They prayed. We prayed. And uh, even to this day, um, I still get nervous a little bit sometimes, but if you are struggling with your prayer life, I'm going to say to you what God said to me. If you can swim, you didn't learn to swim standing on the beach. If you can drive a car, you didn't learn to drive your car staying at home or studying a book. You're not going to learn to pray until you open your mouth. Let's pray. Father, right now, in Jesus' name, I come to you. And I ask you, God, to help us all to learn to pray as you would have us to pray. God, I thank you for this opportunity. I thank you for these people. And I ask you now, Lord, to open ears to hear and hearts to receive only that which is from you. 
Remove me, Lord, and you speak. In Jesus' name, amen. I just want to tell you up front, I got you, because there's not another service after this one. <laughs> uh, when I was, uh, well, I was, an, I was an evangelist. This has been a few years ago. And Texas, one of the chapters in Texas did a thing where they invited people to come in and talk about their method of evangelism. How is it that you reach out to somebody? How is it that you open doors? What do you, how, what's your personal method of evangelism? And so they had invited me to come down, come from Mississippi over to North Texas. And actually, it was one chapter did it, but three or four or five chapters would get together. And so I was headed over there, and I was driving my truck. And uh, about mm, 30, 40 miles uh, east of Shreveport, my truck broke down. It blew an injector line. And so now I got people waiting on me. I got a problem. I got a truck that's dead on the side of the road, and I'm supposed to speak. So I called Curtis. He was in Hatfield, and I told him what was going on. He said, well, isn't that strange? I'm just about right now getting in the car to head right there to Texas, to that spot in Texas. I said, would you do this for me? He said, sure, I'll do it. So God already had that organized, okay? That was all set. So I called the uh, record company, and this guy comes out, and he pulls my truck up on, on, this, uh, on the back of that truck, and I ride in the front seat with him. And so we're talking about things. You know, you go, I'm going to be with him 45 minutes or so. We're just talking about stuff, and, and he says, and we, I told him about CMA being involved in uh, the Christian Motorcyclist Association. He was a fairly young guy, probably mid-20s. And uh, he said, so what is it you guys do? I said, well, we basically go around and talk to people about their relationship with God. How's your relationship with God? And he said, not good. He said, I, I used to go to church, but I don't now. And he said, I don't really understand the Bible. I'm just listening to him. He says, like, when Jesus came out of the ark, now, we can, laugh in, we can laugh in here. I didn't laugh in that truck because that would have shut it all right down. But he said, I don't understand what happened and how the earth was created after Jesus came out of the ark. I said, well, that's not exactly right. And so I talked to him a little bit about, about that. And I asked him, I said, do you have a Bible? Now, Please forgive me if you are an advocate of nothing but the King James. But he said, he said, yeah, I've got one, but I don't understand it. I said, well, I've got one in my truck. When we get to the Dodge dealership, I'll give you a Bible that you can understand. And so we rode on, and I prayed with him. Um, he did not, I did ask him, he did not accept Christ as his Savior with me that day, but when we got there, unloaded my truck, and I went back there, and I got one of our little CMA, uh, Hope for the Highway Bibles, and gave it to him, and I sent his contact information to the local chapter there in Shreveport. I don't know what happened after that, but God opened that opportunity. He covered all the bases. Curtis was already prepared to go do what I was supposed to do. 
And I'm confident that he did that specifically for that young man. And he chose, and I'm grateful that he chose to use me. He chooses to use you too. He wants to use you. Let me read to you from 1 Corinthians 15, and this is 1 through 11. And I kind of condense some scriptures, so they're not going to try and follow me, I don't think. No. Um, 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 11. Let me now remind you, dear brothers and sisters, of the good news I preached to you before, before. You welcomed it then, and you still stand firm in it. It is this good news that saves you if you, that saves you. Unless, of course, you believe something that was never true in the first place. I passed on to you what was most important. Christ died for our sins, just as the scripture said. He was buried, he was raised from the dead, and on, and on, on the third day, just as the scripture said. He was seen by Peter, then the twelve. After that, he was seen by more than 500 of his followers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have died. Then he was seen, seen by James and later by all the apostles. Last of all, as though I had been born at the wrong time, I also saw him. For I am the least of all the apostles. In fact, I'm not even worthy to be called an apostle after the way I persecuted God's church. This is Paul writing this. But whatever I am now, it is all because God poured out his special favor on me and not without results. For I've worked harder than any of the other apostles, yet it was not I but God who was working through me by his grace. So it makes no difference whether I preach or they preach, for we all preach the same message. That is the gospel. That is the gospel of Christ right there. Christ died for our sins. He was buried. He was raised from the dead. And he was seen. If you look at Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they all wrote about the gospel. If you, but if you pay attention to their lives, if you look at them, they were men. They doubted. They had doubt. They fell short in some places. They argued with each other. But they all understood the gospel. They wrote, when they wrote about Jesus, when they wrote the Bible, and this is important, this is particularly important to us as Christians. When they wrote about Jesus, they didn't write what they thought. They didn't write what they thought he meant to say. They wrote what he said. They wrote the message that he gave them. We sometimes want to politic politicize the gospel. And I'll stop right there. Uh, so the gospel according to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John is the gospel of Jesus. So in 2 Corinthians 11, 1 through 4, I hope you'll put up with a little more. Did I say 1 Corinthians? 2 Corinthians. I hope you will put up with a little more of my foolishness. Please bear with me. For I am jealous for you with the jealousy of God himself. I promised you as a pure bride to one husband, Christ. But I fear that somehow your pure and undivided devotion to Christ will be corrupted. Just as Eve was deceived by the cunning ways of the serpent. You happily put up with whatever anyone tells you, even if they preach a different Jesus than the one we preach. Or a different kind of spirit than the one you received. Or a different kind of gospel than the one you believed. Now, if Paul is talking about the gospel and he says you could have believed a different kind of gospel, then there must be other gospels that you can believe. If you, uh, you, you could say the gospel of salvation, 
That's in, in Mark 1. You can look there. In 1 Corinthians 9 and in Romans, you can look at that and talks about salvation, the gospel of salvation. There's the gospel of God's grace in Acts 20. There's the gospel of the kingdom in Matthew, several places. There's the gospel of peace. Now, it's not necessarily calling that. I'm telling you the things that you can grab and you could believe as gospel, the gospel truth. The, the gospel of peace, as I said, and the gospel of the everlasting God in Revelation. But I want to say to you today, and I might have, I don't think I'll offend anybody, but I, I hope I make you think about this. I want to say to you today that I believe there is another kind of gospel, and it's very prevalent in the world today, and that is the gospel of me. I live the gospel of me. Now, if you look at Paul, Paul was zealously, he was a zealot for God. He was a, a high, he had a lot of rank. He was a very intelligent guy. He had a lot of privilege. He had a great future ahead of him if he chose to go that way. And he was actively pursuing followers of Jesus Christ to imprison them and in some case, cases have them killed. So Paul was Saul at the time, but Saul was actively doing what he believed God had called him to do. He was wrong. He found out later he was wrong. So what I'm saying, the reason I'm telling you that is, no matter what you think, unless it's the pure, unadulterated word of God, you can be wrong. Even in your beliefs about Christianity, you can be wrong. In my own life, like I said earlier, at nine years old, I accepted Jesus and walked the aisle and got baptized, and spent the next 20 years, if you'd have asked me, I'd have, you going to heaven? Oh, yeah, I'm going. The, uh, and I was living like hell and headed there, and I didn't really realize it. And, but at 29, I had that life-changing relationship. But up until that point, from the time I was, when I accepted Jesus at nine years old until I was 29, let me tell you, I was living the gospel of Carrie. I thought I was okay with God, but I was living the gospel of Kerry. I did what I wanted to do. Life was about me. The things that, that I wanted to do, I did. If you were my friend, I'd do just about anything for you. If I didn't know you, if I didn't like you, or if you weren't my friend, you could go to hell for all I cared. And that's not cursing, by the way. There is a place called hell. And there are people headed there. So I came face to face with the reality of, wait a minute, I'm following the wrong gospel. And that's when I made that commitment to follow Jesus and to let him guide my life. So I want to ask you this. Don't answer me, but think about it. Think about this beyond this service. Let this stick in your head and think about this as you go about your day-to-day -day life from this point on. Are you living the gospel of Jesus, or are you living the gospel of me? You'll find that if you think about that, you'll see things in your own life and in other people's life that's not the gospel of Jesus. It's the gospel of me, the gospel of what I want, the gospel of my interpretation of what Jesus was here for, what the Bible tells me to do. It was my, it's my interpretation of what it means to be a Christian. So are you living the gospel of Christ, or are you living the gospel of me? 
Now, let me ask you this, and it's sort of the same thing, but it's a little bit different. What does your life say to the world around you? Does your life proclaim the gospel of Jesus? Can somebody see something relevant to Jesus in your life, or are they seeing the world? Now, I work for a Christian motorcycle, or I work for CMA. I'm in the big office, you know. I can tell you that we're not perfect. We have people that retire, and they come, want to live in MENA, and be a part of CMA because they think, CMA is a great organization. I love it. But they think that by coming there, it's like going to heaven on earth. No, it's not. We're still people. We try, and we ask, probably ask for forgiveness more than some people do. But your life needs to show something that draws somebody to Jesus. And he'll use you in that process. Now, um, when we got in, one of the things CMA teaches to do is to get involved in local motorcycling activities. We get involved with them, we don't become them. I said something earlier in the first service about going into a bar to witness. I, Debbie pointed out to me that I should have said, we don't drink. If you go, if you go, if you're a CMA member and you go in a bar to witness, if you start, if you drink, you're not a CMA member anymore. We'll take care of that. But get involved. Help them out. Do things. Become part of them. Stay, keep your identity as CMA. And so we did that. We joined everything there was. For a couple of years, I just about went broke paying dues for different organizations. But one of them was HOG, Harley Owners Group. And so somebody from that group was in the hospital. We had been involved for a while. Somebody in that group was in the hospital. I didn't know a lot of people. But I went to the meetings, and so we went to the hospital. Several of us went to the hospital to visit somebody that was hurt and in the hospital from, our, from the hog chapter. On the way into the hospital, there were a couple of other hog members coming out and getting on their bikes, and one of them said, Carrie, can I talk to you? Sure. And so I knew who this guy was, but I didn't, I didn't even know his name at the time. His name was Charles. So Charles said to me, he said, I've got two sons, and they're having real struggles with drug problems. I've tried to help them, I've tried to help them, and I just can't seem to get through to them. They were wrapped up in meth. And, so, and then one of them was 20 and one of them was 21, Adam and Christopher. And so he said, could you talk to them? Maybe you could get through to them. Something has to change. Now, I don't know why I said this, but I said to him, I said, Charles, I didn't call his name, I'll be happy to talk to him. But if God is telling you something needs to change, the only person you have control over is you. So maybe God is saying you need to change something in your life. I, I don't know, only by God would I have said that. And so I would seem from then on, he received that, and I would seem from then on, and every now and then at the hog thing, and he kept saying to me, I'm thinking about what you said. I'm thinking about what you said. And so I got curious. So I started kind of trying to find out what was going on in his life. Turns out that he was living with a girl that was not his wife. 
and it was worry, it was working on him that he's trying to get his son's life to change when there is a change that needs to take place in his life. And so at one point, he came, I'd still not met his sons. The opportunity had not presented itself. So at one point, um, at one of the meetings, Charles comes up and says, Don and I want to get married, and we want you to do it. I said, sure, I'd be happy to do it. And so at the church for the wedding day, it was really cool. The pastor was out of town. We rode the motorcycles in and out of the church. The, uh, uh, it was a great wedding. It was really cool. It, 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 she rode in on the back of my motorcycle, and he rode his motorcycle in. But after they got married, she rode out on the back of his motorcycle. And so, but I'm standing there talking to him, and one of his sons walks up, uh, Christopher. One of his sons walks up and just standing there. And in the conversation talking, I, it was just me and Charles and Christopher. You weren't with us, were you? Were you? Okay, Debbie. Debbie, yeah, okay. Well, so I kind of breached the subject of drugs. I said, uh, we, I was talking to him a little bit, and I said, uh, your dad tells me that you've got some issues with drugs. I said, well, I know a little bit about it. I've been through that kind of a thing myself. As a matter of fact, I'm in, I, work, I work in uh, petrochemicals, and uh, I've always got people after me trying to get me to get P2P, methyl ethyl ketone. He, his eyes lit up. He said, you actually know what you're talking about, don't you? I do. I said, I do. So we talked for a minute, and I said, can we go talk privately? Sure. See, I had his attention because that horrible thing in my past, God was using it for good. So we step off into a prayer room, and in five minutes, he gave his life to Jesus Christ. I had not met uh, Chris, Adam, the other son. We had the wedding. After the wedding, we had a reception in the back of the church. And I, I'm standing there talking to Charles and Donna and uh, Christopher and some other people, and Adam walks up. Christopher said, I just gave my life to Jesus. Adam said, yeah. And I said, you got a minute? <laughs> and he said, yeah. And we stepped off into a room, and it took about five minutes, and he accepted Jesus. Now, we come back out. They're all still standing there. And he says, I just got saved. I want to be baptized. Well, okay, takes about 45 minutes to fill up that baptismal, but I'll do it. Well, one of the girls, her husband's here, uh, Sonia, she said, hey, I got a friend who lives around the corner with a swimming pool. Okay, let's go there. So me, Debbie, Mike and Gala, Sonia, uh, Charles, Donna, and the boys went, oh, just a little ways to the backyard of a, in a swimming pool, deep, not that deep. So as we get in the pool, me and the two boys, we get in the pool and uh, I'm talking to them about baptism and what it means that, you know, it represents being dead and, you know, you know this, all that. So I'm talking to it and I catch Donna off in, the, in my side vision. Now she was dressed all in white and uh, had, a, had her, everything was white. And she starts taking off clothes. And I'm thinking, no. But she just took off her leathers and kept her clothes on. She gets in the pool. 
She gets in the pool and says, I want to recommit my life to Jesus, and I want to be baptized with my new sons. So, oh, it gets better. So, as we're embracing each other and we're getting ready to be baptized, Charles rips his shirt off and jumps in, and he says, I want to recommit my life to Christ, and I want to be baptized with my family. So I had the privilege, I had the privilege of baptizing that family. Now, let me tell you that it took those boys a while. They still struggled, but their life was different. And the last time I heard anything about them, because I don't see people much, I don't see those people much anymore. The last time I heard anything about them, they were actively, they were actively involved in a church. And they were trying to get their lives in line with Christ, and they had stopped doing meth. So here's, here's my point in saying all, I actually have a message, but the, um, here's my point in saying that to you. You may not feel worthy to represent Christ. You may look at your past or even your day today and think, I don't deserve to speak for Jesus. I don't deserve to represent God. Let me let you in on a little secret. God uses people who are not perfect. God uses people who have a horrible past. I'm one of them. And he, if you will allow him to, he will use your past to change somebody's future. But you have to let him do it. Now, Okay, I'll accept the fact that there could be someone in this room who grew up in a Christian household who feels like they've always been a Christian. They've never been involved in drugs. They've never done anything. They've never stolen anything. They, they think they are perfect. Okay, let's assume that there is somebody in the church or somebody that, that in here that thinks, I can't relate to that. I don't have that kind of a testimony. I can't, I don't know anything about drugs. I, I, don't, I don't know anything about outlaw bikers or any of that stuff, so I don't have a testimony. Wait a minute. I'm going to paint a picture for you here. Let's just say that most guys know they got a past. So let's say that you're a woman, and you, your life has been clean. Here's something that could happen to you. You could meet a young lady who's struggling with one of the hardest things she's ever had to struggle with in her life. She's pregnant. She's thinking about having an abortion because her life is in the gutter. And she doesn't want her to raise her daughter or her son into the life that she's living. You can be a living testimony that life doesn't have to be that way. You can be a living testimony that you can live a clean life, that you don't have to have a, a horrible past. You can make, you can be different. So God will use you no matter what. Now, if you think you're perfect, you got something else you got to figure out. But, but if you've lived a clean life, just put it before God and say, use me, and I promise you he will. Anytime we say, use me, Lord, he will. If you want to see God move in your life and in the lives of around you, start living the gospel of Jesus and quit living the gospel of me. 
I'm, gonna, I'm not going to go, I'm gonna, it's, it's time for me to wrap up, so I'm just going to give you points here. But in order to live the gospel of Jesus, you've got to crucify yourself. That's the first thing. You, you, if you're living the gospel of me, you've got to crucify yourself. You've got to kill the old you. First thing, of course, is you've got to have a relationship with Jesus. We'll talk about that in a minute. In Matthew, it, you know, it's, if you read Matthew 5, it says, you are the salt of the earth. What, and you are the light of the world. What good is salt if it loses its flavor? Just remember that Jesus says, you are the light of the world. You are the salt of the, wor- of the earth. God expects us to present, because he's really the author, the author of life. He expects us to represent him. He expects us to be light. He expects us to be salt. So read Matthew. I got all kinds of things I want to tell you, but I won't. I, just examine your life. Who are you living for? You're living for you? You're living for your own needs and desires and wants? You're living your own interpretation of the Bible? Or are you living the gospel of Jesus Christ? For me, I realized one day that I was living the gospel of Carrie. And on that day, I made a commitment to Jesus. God, I'm give up. I give up. At this moment, at this day, I'm turning everything over to you. Use me as you will. Lead me where you want me to go. Everything I have is yours. I made that decision. I've been trying to live it. Let's pray. Heads down, eyes closed. I know, you don't have to acknowledge this, but I know there are people in this room who are living the gospel of me. I know there are people here that need to turn it all over to Jesus and live the gospel of Jesus. Only you can decide where you are. Only Jesus, God knows, but only you can decide whether you're living the gospel of Jesus or the gospel of me. If you're living the gospel of me, I urge you, I beg you, and I promise you that it'll, that, well, I'll make that in a second. I beg you to give your life to Jesus completely and wholly, either as a new Christian or as a Christian that understands I've been living too much for myself. And I'll make you this promise. If you commit everything to Jesus, and if you honestly try, he'll put you places. He'll give you opportunities. You'll see God move. You'll see God work miracles. And you get to be a part of it. You get to be a witness. So if you want to live the gospel of Jesus, or if you just want to accept Jesus, if you want to recommit to Jesus, I urge you to pray this prayer with me. You can pray it out loud. You can pray it in your heart. It doesn't matter to me. Because this is between you and God. Lord Jesus, I come today. I confess I haven't been living for you. I've been living the gospel of me. Right now, at this moment, God, I'm giving you everything. 
Do with me as you please. Use me as you please. Everything I have, including my life, is in your hands. I believe you died for me. Save me, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. There's going to be some people over there to pray with you. If you made any commitment just now, please go talk to one of them. It's not making a commitment to Jesus. Everything doesn't change like right then. There's some work that's got to be done. You need people that will pray with you and for you. So I urge you, please, to go. There'll be some people over there. Go over and pray with them. Thank you. Amen. Come on, let's give the Lord a hand clap. Don't you kind of wait up here with me a minute, Carrie? Huh? Wait up here a minute. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. You know, see, he's saying, if you're not 100% sure if you died, you'd go to heaven. Uh, when somebody asked me that, I wasn't sure. And then they told me about having a personal relationship with, with God. And, you know, I raised my hand and said a little prayer. Maybe you repeated that prayer now or, or said it in your mind. I'm going to tell you, now is where you need to step out from that pass and walk toward that cross. And we're going to stand up in a minute. When we do, we're going to have a prayer team up here. But uh, go to that cross. And what you're doing, you're not joining a church. You're asking Jesus to come into your heart. It's going to fill that hole that you've been trying to fill with everything else out there in the world, and it'll never satisfy it. And, and God wants to do He wants to show you how much He loves you and has a plan for your life. But I also just feel like uh, there's people out there that, because I, I think back when it was the gospel of me, and even after I became a Christian, I still was I wasn't witnessing, I wasn't, and then somebody prayed with me to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And that power of the Holy Spirit, and, I, you know, I didn't speak in that funny language they talked about, uh -huh. but I began to cry. The presence of God was so strong, and I went home, and God gave me my prayer language and all that. But the next day, I witnessed to my neighbor, and he went to church and got saved. I started having the power to say no uh, to these friends. I was falling around to the wrong places, and I got that power to start saying yes to God. So there's a power, of, a power available for you to accomplish this mission God has for you. And so I don't know if you want to just stay down here, your wife, and any other your team members that you want up here, any of our altar team that'll be around here. But I just think there's some people out there that just really, uh, God to begin to stir that gift up and give you that power to be a witness, whatever that means in your life. You know, they witness. I mean, they got these colors on. They got their bikes. Uh, but you, it just might be that, man, you're a soccer mom. And you don't know who's on that soccer field with you and what they're going through. And just to be that witness. You know, they just see you, you know, your child get a little boo-boo and you're out there praying for them. And, you know, that might be that witness, whatever it is. But I just feel God wants to really do something into this service just to kind of light a fire in all of us. There's just a, there's, it, that word harvest is still sticking with me. And I know Pastor John's going to come back. And I, it's really harvest time, uh, specifically for our church right now. You know, in the world, but there's something special going on. So let's stand on our feet. We're going to sing me, through one me, time and, can I and add, yeah, add something to it for sure. Let yeah. me, um, you know, it's you may be at the place where you need to come up and make some kind of confession or uh, to cry, acceptance of Christ. You may want to come up and ask to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You may want to come up and just talk to somebody and pray with somebody, but you don't want people to see you because you've been going to church here for however many years, or you've been wearing the Christian Motorcycle Association patch for so many years, let me help you with that. 
Look, if you, it doesn't matter who you are. When you step out and you, may, you do something to bring your life more in line with Christ, we're all happy. Amen. We're not judging you. We're happy. So please, if you feel you need to, come up here and pray with us. Uh, Clay, can you get a couple of people? Some people up here yeah. to come up here. Have our older team come. And if you're that one that was perfect person out there, you need to come up too. Right? Yeah, you do. Amen. All right. <laughs> you do. Come on, let's give God glory. One more hand clap. Let's worship Him one time. Let the Holy Spirit do what needs to be done at the altars and, and go out this week and live for Jesus. Amen.